So I mentioned earlier that we have a very special guest speaker, uh, Phil, Phil Knox. I'm going to invite Phil up and uh, going to ask him one or two questions. Let's give Phil a welcome. Great to see you, Phil. And uh, you're going to go with that on there. Fantastic. Um, Phil, you've been here before, have you? Yeah, a, like a couple of times. Okay. Um, the first was a couple of years ago during covid where we had an amazing outdoor Christmas service, ah, kind of in the car park. Is anyone at that? And it was mad. Oh, what what I remember most of all is there were students kind of hanging out the windows, yeah. uh, listening, to, listening to songs and, and uh, oh, hearing yeah, the gospel. Fantastic. That was amazing. And then I came here a long time ago. I worked for Youth for Christ, like somebody else on this stage, uh, a long time ago. And um, we had a youth event in about 2007. And we had a big kind of church, um, church citywide church youth yeah, event in, yeah. in, this, in this building. You, I like what you've done with the place, though. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's had an upgrade since then. It has. They've done a great job. They've done a great job. Now, really pleased. Now, I, I noticed kind of um, the Evangelical Alliance, who you work for, I'll ask you one or two things about that in a moment. Yeah. They sent a bit of a resume over as to all the things that kind of you've done. You've obviously studied a lot, yeah, yeah which is fine. But I also noticed that you've broken or been involved in breaking a world record. Yeah. Do you want to say what that was? Yeah, I did. Well, that was my, during my Youth for Christ years. But basically, a, a few years ago, um, when, you were, when you were, as you'll know, Phil, in the charity sector, money's a bit tight. Uh, so yeah. you come up with a few ideas to try and raise a bit of money. So a few years ago, me and a bunch of mates, we decided to try and find something that would, that would raise a load of money and kind of attract a bit of attention. Yeah, yeah. So we decided to break the world record for the world's longest five-a-side football wow, match. Wow. So we played football for 48 hours. Wow. Um, the knees have not quite been... Been the same since wow. and even worse Phil I was on the losing team can you oh, can you imagine playing for wow. hours and we lost by over 300 goals oh. so so I needed kind of emotional as well as, as well as physical wow. restoration wow. after that attempt well it takes Birmingham City 48 hours to <laughs> score so maybe they should go for that no they're doing better than my team we won't go into that we won't go into that I was going to say Aston Villa but we've got a few Aston Villa fans here aren't we I think yeah I'm a Villa fan Phil who do you support Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. I don't want to hog this. No, I don't want to talk about my football team. Anyway, we'll move on pretty quick. Tell us a little bit about the Evangelical Alliance, Phil. Yeah, great. So EA, we'll show a video in a moment. I'll say a bit more before I speak. But really, the EA... Um, we're the largest and oldest movement of evangelical Christians in the UK. Yeah. And we've existed since 1846 to do two really simple things. First of all, we want to see every single person in the UK come to know Jesus, yeah, their Lord and Saviour. So we equip and we inspire and we unite the church yeah. around the gospel to reach everybody, of every different background, people group, age yeah. in the country to see people come to know Jesus. But secondly, we speak up at, at the highest levels of government on issues that really matter to Christians. Why? Because it shouldn't be a hate crime to, yeah. cl- to declare that Jesus is the yeah, way, the truth absolutely. and the life. Absolutely. So we speak up on really important issues. One example of that was a bill going through Parliament a few years ago that would have enabled Ofsted to come into every Sunday school and youth group in the country and essentially vet what was being said. We thought that sounded more like North Korea or Saudi Arabia than the UK, governmental control of private religion. So we spoke up. And I'm delighted to say that as a result of that intervention, because of the strength of our membership, that bill's been kicked into touch for the time being. Isn't that good news? It is good news. Um, But that's, so we we do those two things really as the EA. We want to see every single person reach for Jesus. And so my bits within that, I'm an evangelist, I'm a missiologist, try and understand how people come to faith. But we also speak up on behalf of Christians. So how many people are members of the EA? So we we do organisations, churches and individuals. So at the moment, there's about 600 organisations, 3,000 churches and 22,000 individuals. Um, But here's where we need your help. In a minute, I'm going to invite you if you're able to become a personal member of the EA. Because at the, our vision over the next 10 years is to get to 50,000. Yeah, Why 50,000? Because 50,000 is the size of the Liberal Democrats. And yeah. uh, we're not, we are not a political party, nor are we politically affiliated. But if you're bigger than the third largest political party, yeah, yeah. when a new prime minister comes in, 
they have to knock on our door rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And so, so if you're able to help us this morning, that makes a huge difference. And, and it costs just three quid a month. If you're part of a couple, we get to speak on behalf of both of you. If, you, if your partner's not here, just tick the, form, tick the form that says couple anyway and we'll tell them later. Um, but, the, but the heart is really, we want to speak up yeah, yeah. So, that, so that people come to know Jesus and we unite the church around the gospel. Fantastic. So we've got a video to show. Shall we put that on now? That'd be great. Yeah, great. Thanks, uh, Anne, if you can put that on the Evangelical Lines. Thank you. We are the Evangelical Alliance. We want everyone in the UK to have the opportunity to know Jesus. We are an alliance of evangelicals, of churches and charities, entrepreneurs, grandmas, colleagues, neighbours, friends, loving God, serving each other, declaring with one voice Jesus is our King. We are an alliance of evangelicals cheering each other on as we seek to be salt and light in the world. You'll find us everywhere. In places of influence. And where people are hurting the most. In parliament, in government. Speaking out on issues that matter the most. In a changing and hurting world. We're transforming communities changing lives with the amazingly good news of Jesus. We are the Evangelical Alliance. Собрание различных племён и народов. We pray, speak, listen and share. Through challenging times and choppy waters. We stand together and serve each other. We are the Evangelical Alliance. Together we're making Jesus known. Lord, we thank you for your word. Yeah. It comes in many forms, Lord. We thank you that your heart is to speak to us, to inspire us, mm. as your word says, to equip us for every good work. Mm. And we pray for Phil now. We pray that he'll be blessed as he shared, and we'll receive all that you've got for us in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Thanks, Phil. Um, it's so brilliant to be with you. Um, it's brilliant to be with you for loads of reasons. I mean, first of all, your church is alive, isn't it? I mean, from the moment that first chord plays, I'm like, come on, we're, we're going to meet with God this morning. So that was brilliant. It's also brilliant to be with you because on a Sunday morning, I travel all over the country. And often I put in the sat-nav kind of like, you know, the postcode and it says like two hours, three hours. Well, this morning, I'm delighted. I live in Quinton. So not only did I not even have to put a postcode in, I was like 11 minutes. But the problem is also... On the way to preach somewhere, I'll often have a kind of thing that I do, like a prayer ritual and a kind of like worship song playlist to get through. Well, this morning I had to get in a car, put my hands on the steering wheel and I'm like, dear Lord, straight into the prayer ritual because we were ready to go. Um, it's also brilliant with you because it brings, I don't know about anybody else, but I had a terrible pandemic. I want us to have a terrible pandemic. I had a really bad pandemic. Like a couple of close family members died during the pandemic. Um, I was really discouraged and disappointed for loads of different reasons. Um, and two things got me through the pandemic. Faith in Jesus and friendship with others. And so what's happened since, since coming back here today to kind of re- be reminded of the last time I was with you, um, one of the things that the Lord has burned on my heart that I'd love to share with you a bit this morning is around friendship. Um, because what happened over the last kind of couple of years, I've delved into friendship. And as the statistics were coming out of what happened to us during the pandemic around friendship, it, it turns out we are in a desperately lonely world and a disconnected world. And so over the last couple of years, one of the things I've done is I've written a book um, called The Best of Friends. 
Why have I written this book? Because I wanted to discover the power of friendship that God has given us. But also the challenges in our world around friendship. But it turns out that my sons, when they go to Sunday school, and they don't know the answer to a question, I say, if you don't hear the question, boys, 90% of the time the answer is Jesus. And when it comes to friendship, the answer is also Jesus. And so that's what the book's about. And, and you know what? If you join the Evangelical Alliance this morning, I would love to give you a few things just to say thank you. The first is a copy of this book, just to say thank you for joining. The second is this. It's called Speak Up. Um, it tells your rights and responsibilities when sharing your faith in the workplace. There's loads of people who say you can't share your faith at work. You can. You just can't abuse a position of power over an employee. Loads of people say you can't wear a cross at work. You can. You just can't wear a life-size one because it's a health and safety hazard. We would love to share a couple of that with you. Finally, if you're able to join us this morning as the Evangelical Alliance, I'd love to give you an Evangelical Alliance key ring. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's got on the end of it one of those detachable pound coins, which in a cashless society, when you go to the supermarket and you need one of these for your trolley, you will thank Jesus the day you joined the Evangelical Alliance. So I'd love to share with you one of those. Um, but also this morning, I'd love to talk to you a bit about friendship. So just before we do, I've, I've been prayed for. Let's just pray. I love you each in your hearts this morning to pray and just ask God to speak to you today. So just invite where you are today. Say, Father, would you please speak to me today? Father, thank you for friendship. Would you please speak to me about this amazing gift you've given us? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, as I said, I have the delight of living in Birmingham, so it's beautiful to hear some fellow Brummie accents around the place. It's wonderful. Um, uh, but I, I work in London, our EA offices are in London, so I frequently get the train down on a Tuesday morning to stay in London and then come back on a Wednesday night. Um, this is a great moment of joy where the train pulls back into Birmingham New Street. But that means so often I have to stay over at somebody's house on a Tuesday night. Um, and so what I've done is over the years, I've kind of developed a number of friendships with people who live in London and I kind of rotate them so I don't outstay my welcome anywhere. And um, at the end of last year, it was staying at a friend's house there. And it's one of those relationships, I don't know whether you have these, where you know one person in the uh, marriage better than you know the other person. So with one friend, this particular friend, I've been to university with him. We were great mates. He was an usher at our wedding. But the wife I'd only met a couple of times, and one of those was at her wedding. And so it was in those, those moments where I'm staying at their house and I decide, I, I realise I'm in that no man's land that so often we find ourselves in between a handshake and a hug. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're in that kind of moment somewhere between a handshake and a hug. And I decide as I'm staying at my friend's house, it's time to raise my friendship with my friend's wife to the next level. So, so I'm sat kind of in the living room with their kids. My friend is cooking dinner in the kitchen and she comes down the stairs and with kind of a, a gulp of confidence, I decide I'm going to leave her in no uncertain terms that we're ready for hug territory. So she comes down the stairs. I, I then walk towards, I embrace her and say, thank you so much for letting me stay at your house. I then take a step back and it's fair to say in the hug that my enthusiasm was greater than hers. Then we have this moment where I step back and she is looking at me with utter bewilderment. And I have this horrendous moment where the blood drains from my face. And I realise that the woman I've just hugged is not the wife of my friend. It is the friend of the wife of my friend. And we look at each other and we do this real... I'm dying inside just telling you the story. And we look at each other and we do this really British thing 
where we say with our eyes, we will never speak of this again. <laughs> Just because we have proximity doesn't mean we have intimacy. Just because we have a thousand connections on Facebook doesn't mean we have any friends we can call when the storms hit the shores of our life. Just because we're in the house of the Lord doesn't mean we are in relationship with him. And we are living in a world right now in incredible disconnection, isolation, and fracture. Let me give you some stats on that. Somewhere between one in five and one in three men say they have no close friends at all. It's not much better for women. 40% of young adults, if you're aged this morning between 16 and 24, you are the most connected generation in history. And yet 40% of young adults say they always or often feel lonely. There is a situation at the moment in the UK where we have a minister in government whose responsibility is loneliness. We are desperately isolated as a world. But more than that, we're fractured. A quarter of Remain voters have no friends who voted Leave. A fifth of Leave voters have no friends who voted Remain. A third of white Britons say they don't have any friends from an ethnic minority background. Over half of all over 65s say their closest companions are their television or their pets. We are divided across age, race, politics and income. But as I said earlier, turns out, Jesus is the solution. So if you've got a Bible, we'd love you to turn with me to John chapter 15. I'm going to read to us from verse 5 to 17. John 15, 5 to 17. Jesus says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. The Bible has some incredibly beautiful news when it comes to relationship. God sets this out so perfectly in this passage. He says, you're the vine. I'm the branches. Connection we are wired for. We're wired for connection with God. If we're connected to God, we have life and can bear fruit. If we're not connected to God, we're like a branch that is dead. 
to be thrown away and with us. But also in this passage, we see not only are we created to be connected with the creator of all, but we are created to be connected to one another. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We've got music and movies on demand. We've got the world in the palm of our hands. We've got fun trips, internships, play scripts and hair snips. Film clips, fish and chips at the touch of our thumbtips. Need to lead or breed or feed your cat? Well, it turns out there's an app for that. But we need friends. We've got computers for a fiver. Cars without a driver. We've got louder, further, faster, more. A bigger network than ever before. But we need friends. And friends are amazing. See, friendship is atomic. From the nursing home to the coffee shop, from the boardroom to the playground, it's relational connections that make the world go round. See, we were created to know and be known. It's better to eat kebabs with friends than salad on your own. And yet we trace in populous places. We're strangers in rooms of familiar faces. We crave deeper meaningfuls but experience anonymity. We dance superficially around the promise of proximity. And we need friends. And quantity is no substitute for quality. We need 5G, HD, 24-carat friends. Lifelong, fight strong, tag along, forgive all wrong friends. Friends to, to talk through our problems personal. Friends to call when the cancer's terminal. When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, your year. You just remember what your old pal said. We get by with a little help from our friends. And look to the one who made friendship possible. Whose nail-pierced hands bridged a chasm uncrossable. His scandalous invitation follows the most glorious of amends. There is no greater love than they that lay their life down for their friends. So... Celebrate with me the ship most worth sailing and follow the example of the friend unfailing. May we raise our game and drop our cover. Invest our energies in one another. May we still be there when the rain starts to fall and accept the most important friend request of all because we need friends. And this morning, what I have from this beautiful passage in Scripture is three really simple lessons that Jesus gives us, the best of friends, about what real friendship looks like. And the first is this, that deep friendship, and I wonder why this is one of the reasons we've lost the, the heart and the art of great friendship in our world. Great friendship is sacrificial. But the challenge is, from the moment we turn our phones on in the morning, from the moment we walk out of our doors, we are given a, a story from our world, a different narrative that tells us it's all about us. I think one of the reasons we've lost this this heart of friendship is that friendship at its heart is about sacrifice. Jesus says there is no greater love than, lay, than those that lay their life down for their friends. And yet one of the predominant narratives in our world at the moment is what is called expressive individualism. You do you. Have it your way. Be true to yourself. Be your authentic self. Whereas real friendship, real connection, is we die to ourselves. We die to ourselves that we might know Jesus so that he might live in us. But we also die to ourselves to prefer one another. There is no greater love than they that lay their life down for their friends. And Jesus speaks these words to be right before physically he goes to do that. Right before physically he dies on a Roman cross so that we might know forgiveness for our past, God's presence in our present and hope for the future. 
and rise again on the third day so we might know freedom, life in all its fullness now, and life forever in heaven. And at the heart of who God is even, is something of sacrifice. One of the things that we see as we read the New Testament is that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet one God. And that the three persons of the Trinity are constantly looking to prefer the others. They're not looking to draw attention to themselves. They're constantly pointing to the others. Jesus, the Son, is always trying to glorify the Father. John 8, 54, if I glorify myself, Jesus says, my glory means nothing. He's saying, look at the Father. Then you have the Spirit. Spirit's always trying to draw attention to the Son. Later on in this passage in verse 26, he's saying that Jesus says that the Spirit will testify about me. And then twice in the Gospels, we see the Father trying to point to Jesus. He says, this is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. I think we've lost in our world the the ability to, to prefer one another. And we've fallen for the narratives of individualism and consumerism. It's not all about us. Life is not all about us. Friendship is not all about us. We lay our lives down for our friends. And sometimes that means dropping everything when people need us. Sometimes that means avoiding the need to be right all the time. Sometimes that means deliberately spending time with people who are different from us. The person I've seen this work out most in recently is my mum. I mentioned at the beginning of this talk that I was bereaved a couple of times during covid and we found out the, in those first few weeks of lockdown that my mum's cancer that she'd been battling with for about six months was terminal. So I spent the first few uh, months of lockdown going to sit at the end of my mum's driveway, watching her physically deteriorate. But this was a woman who, as a young girl, had made a decision to choose to follow Jesus. And what's beautiful is that it's like that throughout her life she was making deposits in a spiritual bank account. And then in those dying days, was able to withdraw from them. But one of the most beautiful things I saw in my mum in those dying days is that she didn't just think of herself, despite the fact she was probably entitled to. And before she died, she does something I recommend we all do if we know Jesus and we know we're going to see him soon. She takes her iPad one afternoon and records a video to be played at her funeral. She always wanted the last word, did my mum? And she told her story as to how her decision, her, her reality of knowing Jesus in her life knew the absolute assurance that she knew where she was going when eventually her earthly body gave way. And then we weren't able to have a physical funeral in a building. We had to do it on Zoom. We had about 400 screens turned up. It was incredible. And my mum got to preach the good news immaculately to her friends. But because she wasn't around to stop me anymore, I had the last word. And as the evangelist gave an opportunity for those who heard the good news from my mum to respond to that message. And then as we clicked leave at the end of the Zoom meeting, I turned my phone back on. I had a message from one of mum's friends who she prayed for for many years. It simply said this, Phil, I prayed that prayer with you. I believe Jesus died for me. That's what happens when we lay down our lives for one another. Because great friendship is sacrificial. Second thing we see from this passage is that great friendship is intentional. This is interesting because the primary lens through which the disciples understood their relationship with Jesus was not that of friendship. He was their rabbi. 
And there's a fascinating couple of things to mention here. First of all, we read in this passage, it says that Jesus says, I did, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now that's completely the other way around to the way that normally rabbis and disciples got together. Normally disciples would go to a rabbi and say, I want to spend time with you to become like you. Whereas Jesus chooses his disciples intentionally. He proactively chooses his followers. And what's really interesting is that he's more intentional with some disciples than with others. There's a number of occasions in the Gospels we read that he takes with him Peter, James and John. Moments like the Transfiguration, which is a mountain where Jesus is glorified. It's one of the highest moments of his ministry. But also we read about Gethsemane just before he's about to die. Where in agony he prays, Lord, not my will but yours. Who does he take with him? Peter, James, and John. He says, you nine wait there, you three with me. What's interesting is that within that, the latest research that I looked into when I did my book says that these scientists have asked, how many good friends can you have? Turns out you can have about 12 good friends. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Then then the scientists have asked, how many great friends can you have? Turns out the answer's about three. It's like Jesus kind of knew. It's like he had some kind of advanced knowledge, right? But great friendship is intentional. And I wonder whether for some of us in our world, one of the things that we have is lots of acquaintances, but not many deep friends. And maybe for some of us this morning, God's calling us to be really intentional with a few people. But there's another mic drop moment in this passage where Jesus says a couple of times something that would have astounded the disciples when they first hear it. When he says, I call you friends. They'd have been like, what? Say that again, Jesus. It was an astonishing statement. In fact, there's no other reference in any any record of any other rabbi calling their disciples friends. There was a distance between disciples and rabbis, like kind of teacher and pupil. But Jesus bridges the gap, says, I've called you friends. How we view God really matters. On the image behind me, um, this image appeared in the newspapers in 2015 because it found they, people were reporting that Jesus had been spotted in Ikea. <laughs> Shoppers were st- stopped dead in their tracks on the way to the gentleman's toilet in the Brayhead branch, seeing this carved into the woods. And uh, a startled father of three said, I went to the toilet and I met God. <laughs> Another customer lamented, I went actually for tiebacks for curtains, but they didn't have any, so Jesus didn't help us there. How we view God really matters. In fact, the theologian A.W. Tozer says what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the Bible gives us lots of images, pictures of how to picture God. We, we, we see in these pages that he's a father and a creator and a provider and a sustainer and a judge and a king and a saviour. But don't miss this. Don't miss this today. God is also your friend. Or at least he can be. What does Jesus say? He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You are my friends if you do what I command. And you know what? If you don't know Jesus this morning, you can. God's command to you is to repent and believe. To turn away from your old life. Say sorry from where you've been going wrong. And say, I'm going to rethink my life. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus with all I am. I believe that his death and his resurrection meant that I could know forgiveness for what I've done wrong. No, God with me today and hope for the future. 
The invitation of the Christian faith is not just a ticket to heaven when you die. It's that you can know God as your friend today. Don't miss it. And you know, if you do know God as your friend, that friendship is your life. Don't let anything become more important than that in your life. That's why Jesus says at the beginning of this passage, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me. If you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. But if you don't, you'll die. Many of us have lots of things that we put in the way of our friendship with Jesus. But God's invitation is that we might be intentional with him. Know him. Gives us this invitation to be intentional in our friendships with one another and with him. And finally, God is invitational. He invites us to be his friend. But also, he invites us to extend that invitation to a world that so desperately needs it. We explored at the beginning of this talk that the world is drowning in disconnection. You can only be the best of friends if you know the best of friends. We need a world that that is connected to the vine so that we might bear fruit and be the greatest of friends to those around us. And do you know what's even more amazing? Phil interviewed me. He said, kind of, what do we do as the Evangelical Alliance? Well, my bit within that is I try to understand how people become Christians so that I can help the UK church make the most of those pathways. Do you know the the way in which most people become Christians in in 2023 is not an evangelist like me or even a pastor like Phil or Isaac. It's a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, or a family member. Even this morning, I got chatting to someone over there who said they'd become a Christian and only can become a Christian in the last couple of years. I said, how did it happen? I wasn't surprised to know it was a friend who invited them. Friendship really matters. It matters for discipleship. It matters for church. It matters for unity, but it also matters for evangelism. And this passage also encourages us to say that I've appointed you to bear fruit. And we bear fruit as disciples of Jesus in loads of different ways. But one of the ways we bear fruit is through inviting others to be friends with God. And you know what? We're living in a bonkers world at the moment, aren't we? I found out last, last week that the, that the word, the, the Collins Dictionary word of the year for last year was permacrisis. Perma, we're living in the permacrisis, aren't we? We've lurched from a global pandemic to a cost of living crisis, threat of World War III, death of a monarch, political turmoil, ecological meltdown, and yet we are good news people in a bad news world. We hold the hope of the world who has a name and his name is Jesus in our hearts, and we extend the invitation to a world that so desperately needs it. And you know what? When we do that, because we're good news people, people notice. Our friends notice. One of my friends is called John. And um, uh, one of the things I've noticed in my friendship with John is that so often we are the people who they re- he reaches, we, re- pe- we are the people who our friends reach out to when they're in crisis. Have you noticed that? We are the non-anxious presence in an anxious world. And um, in April this year, uh, John texted me. And uh, this is how non-Christians ask for prayer. He said this, Thursday the 20th of April. Got any time over weekend? Need a word with the top dog big man if you could help, pal. <laughs> I thought, I was trying to translate that. He's asking me to pray for him. That's fine. So we met up in a Weatherspoons not far from our houses. And um, uh, he says, he tells me that his brother's dying. 
He called, his brother had called him earlier this week. Um, suspected brain tumour. His brother had three kids, one on the way. And his brother had called him to say, will you look after my kids? So I said, we should pray then, shouldn't we? And he says, what now? I said, yeah. So in Weatherspoons at 9.30 in the morning with people swigging pints all around us, we pray and ask Jesus to heal his brother. Let me read you the next few text messages. Monday the 24th of April, any news on Sai? Been praying. He says, not yet, thanks pal, we'll keep you posted as soon as you know anything. Tuesday 25th of April, no brain tumour. Thanks for your work, pal. Do you know what? He's still not a Christian. What's God got to do? But how does that happen? We're good friends. We're also good news people in a bad news world. And we are the non-anxious presence who our friends look to when the storms come. And my encouragement to you this morning is that if you've not got a few people who you're praying for regularly to come to faith, I want to urge you to write a list and pray for them. Do you know some research that came out earlier this year that says 74% of people in the UK would come to church if someone invited them? That's pretty good, isn't it? Why do I think that? Because the world is going bonkers and people are looking for a firm place to stand. And the world's full of storms and people need a peace in their heart. And the world is uncertain and people need a hope. And we have a hope. And his name's Jesus. So let's be friends who are sacrificial, who lay down our lives for one another. Let's be friends who are intentional. Matt's too much to have more than just acquaintances. We need friends. But finally, let's be friends who are invitational to a world that is crying out for hope. Let's pray, shall we? Just invite you, if you're able, to stand with me. And let's just take a moment to be still before God and I invite you in your heart to open your heart to him and say to him, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me today? What are the one or two things that you want to burn on my heart and my soul today? really believe that for some of us, God is calling us to make some decisions today. To change the trajectory of our lives and our behavior. To be more like branches connected to the vine. And maybe for some of us, we are, we don't, we know that we're not yet connected to God. Maybe for some of us, we, we know we're distant from God and we've come to church this morning and we've just heard God's invitation to be friends with him. If that's you this morning, just invite you in the depths of your heart to say, God, I haven't got it all together today. But I want to accept your invitation and your offer of friendship. I want to turn away from an old way, my way of doing things. And I want to say, God, I want to accept your offer of friendship with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died so that my sin could be forgiven. 
so that I might know you with me today. And I might know the same hope that fills mum knew, that countless people know, of absolute life forever. In fact, you just invite you in your heart to, to say that to God. He knows. He's here. If that's you today, please do make yourself known to Phil or Isaac after the service. I also, whether for some people, as I've talked about loneliness and disconnection and acquaintances, not friends, you know that the Lord has been speaking to you about prioritizing friendship. And you know you need to be more intentional, sacrificial to those around you. This is a beautiful and amazing church. But its strength moving, po- it moving forward will be dependent on the strength of relationships here. So maybe for some of us, we need to respond in our hearts to say, I'm going to prioritize relationship today. Finally, Phil earlier talked about those people we prayed we speak Jesus over. Maybe it's the same people, but maybe there's others who we know need a touch of God's friendship today. Maybe there are those who are far from God, and today God is inviting us to bring them before him, the best of friends. I just invite you in your heart just to bring them today, to pray for them maybe for the first time, but also to commit to praying for them in the days ahead. And as you do, you may find they reach out to you more. And you have the opportunity to invite them. So Father, I thank you for this just brilliant and beautiful church. Thank you for the light they are in this city that we love. Thank you for the countless transformed lives through them over the years. And Father, I pray your blessing upon them. That they might pursue and know the best of friends. That they might be the best of friends to one another. And that they will continually invite people into that friendship with you in the days ahead. Would you bless them, Lord Jesus, I pray. In your name.